You're listening to another podcast. A podcast about horror movies and scary things. You put your headphones on and enter another dimension. A dimension filled with zombies, killers, ghosts, and creatures beyond your imagination. You've crossed over into the realm of mankind's deepest fears. There's an episode up ahead. You've now arrived at Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. Hello and welcome to another episode of Luke and Andy's Nexus of Nightmares, a podcast where we explore over 100 years of horror films and why we love being scared. I'm Luke, and with me as always, I've got my good friend Andy. How you doing? Buongiorno. Buongiorno. Buongiorno, Monsignor. <laughs> Monsignor. You had a mouthful. I had to, I had to step in and carry you. What's the haps, Monsignor Dickhead? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, tonight is a uh, tonight on a very special episode what? of Looking Andy's Nexus of Nightmares. Tonight we're wearing our gold shazables because this is a shazables. This is a special. <laughs> <laughs> this is not ordinary time. This is a special, yeah. <laughs> yeah. special time. Um, we are talking about uh, a very new, very new, uh, very new series on Netflix. I guess by from... the time this airs, it won't be as new. I mean, this is fresh. Yeah. It's been it'll out be less than a week. Old. Yeah, but yeah. by the time this airs, it'll, it'll be a couple weeks, two three weeks. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we are talking about Mike Flanagan's newest series, Midnight Mass. Midnight which, Mass, which uh, just came out here uh, at late September twenty fourth, and, uh, and we just uh, we both just finished it. Yes, and Andy, you finished it twice. I did watch it twice. You because are I am ill, crazy. <laughs> I am. I think I've said on the podcast before, at least our other one, but. I, I am an old man with two children, a full-time job, several hobbies, and I don't know how, but somehow I made time to watch this twice in the matter of six days. Yeah. you. I mean, you really lit a fire under my ass to watch it. You just needed somebody to talk to about it. I and... really did. It, there there was a lot to unpack, and I, it, was, it was hurting my brain. <laughs> and, I mean... I know your wife doesn't tip, typically uh, partake in the horror with you, right? She does not. But I, I did try so, and get her to watch Hill House. I prodded her a couple times because Mike Flanagan's stories are so dramatic. They're so much more based around the people and so much less yes. on the horror. Yeah. So I thought maybe if she could get past, she could get into that and get past some of the horror elements, she'd be she'd like it. Yeah. But... No I, dice. I, no dice. No dice. I'm lucky. I've got my wife is is very much into horror and uh, and she likes Mike Flanagan a lot as well. Um, and I mean, we might as well start off talking a little bit about Mike Flanagan. Yes. Um, to to me, you know, he's uh, he's really one of the new the new faces of of horror. He's he's kind of he's been making a name for himself here in the last um the last 10 years and yeah. uh i mean if you're not familiar with him 
um, you know, he's done, uh, he's done, you know, of course, he's probably most popular. I think he, he really, uh, got a lot of attention with, with Hill House, The Haunting of Hill House, which yeah, is another for Netflix, Netflix yeah. series, um, which to me is, I think that's what I will probably judge all of his future right. works on. You know what I mean? Like, which, th- which like is, that to me is, which is unfair I mean, because it's, it's almost completely yeah. flawless. Exactly. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's it is ridiculous. kind of like unfair. Like he he set a bar there on that series that you know is is it's almost impossible to top. I mean, so high. It's it's one of those rare series or any kind of you know. You know, whether it's, you know, it's a movie or a series or whatever. It's yeah. just, it's one of those rare instances of just like, I would, I would uh, designate this a masterpiece, you know, like it's, it's just, it is, you know, it how is, it is executed and everything, you know, just. It's untouchable as a TV series for horror. I mean, there's no other mm-hmm. horror TV series that comes close. In my mind, and I've brought this series up before, but in my mind, it's it's like equivalent to something like The Sopranos. I mean, it's it didn't quite yeah. reach that cultural icon status, but as far as the acting and the story and and the writing, just how tight it was and consistent it was through the whole thing. I mean, yeah. it's like it it's it's just it's so good. And then if you compare it to movies, I mean, to me, to me, the masterwork of horror movies is The Shining, and this is right there with it. I mean, it's. It's neck and neck. It's just there's. It's almost flawless. You know, it's just impeccable. Yeah, and and interestingly enough, after he did Hill House, he actually did the sequel, right, to The Shining, Um, which is also really fucking good. Yeah, Doctor Sleep, uh, which came out uh, coming up on two years ago, which is fucking crazy. One of the last movies that I saw in the theater. Yeah, um, and then. COVID hit, you know, uh, yeah. So Dr. Sleep and I try, I knew I was going to talk about Dr. Sleep at you some point to. in this episode. We're going to probably do an episode on Dr. Sleep though. So don't get carried we away. Probably sh- we, yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. Um, but that is such, uh, I mean, I, I feel like that's such an un- underappreciated movie. It's so and good. I feel like I, I, I don't understand why it didn't do better in the theaters in the bo- you know box office wise because you know you think the shining you know I, I mean the shining is a classic it's a it's a yeah. fucking horror classic you know it's it's Stanley Kubrick a legendary legendary direct, film director yeah and you know it's Stephen King and it's and it's it's Jack Nicholson and I mean it's like so you know you would just think oh okay they're they're making this sequel to The Shining, which it's so Doctor Sleep is is actually based off of the I think I believe it's the only sequel that Stephen King ever wrote. Is that right? Um, I mean, out, outside of the Dark Tower series, of course. Yeah, but I and, think well, I think it's you've the got, only you've got like you've got like those books he wrote with Peter Straub, the uh, uh Black House and yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not sure, but it's it's definitely as far as his horror it's, novels go, it's one of the very few. He's not right that he ever did a sequel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no Salem's Lot too. Yeah. 
uh, or, or return to Salem's Lot. Return to Salem's Lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, like, I mean, so what he did with that, and and there's a whole there's the whole history behind, you know, the adaptation. And I'll try not to get too far into that. But you know, Stanley Kubrick, his his adaptation of The Shining is very different from the book. Yes, Stephen King is notorious. It's notorious that I mean, it's he hated it. He yes. hated Kubrick's adaptation. Yes, um, because of the things that he 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 tended to needlessly change. Which I agree, but at the same time, it's hard. It's to argue a great with. movie. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to argue with like you know the execution and the results exactly. of of what of what Kubrick did, um, and so you know, forty. You're talking about forty years later that we've got this sequel now based off of King's book. But King's book is so, I mean, so the uh, Kubrick's adaptation is so different than his book. Yes. And then, and then you've got a sequel. So it's like, I, King I mean, wrote a sequel to his own novel. Kubrick, to say, Kubrick wrote a, wrote, <laughs> Kubrick created a movie that was an adaptation of the original novel, which was totally different than the novel. And then yeah. Mike Flanagan came in and yeah. married the adaptation yes. Yes. and Somehow, King's sequel. Yeah, I mean, really did the impossible task of like like successfully executed the impossible task of of doing a a faithful adaptation of King's book sequel book, but yes. also making it a continuation and a sequel. To Kubrick's film yes. from forty years ago, which, which are, is fucking crazy, which it's are crazy. essentially uh, essentially unrelated. I mean, they're not unrelated; they're the same basic plot, but but there's so many differences. There's and so I many mean, differences. Like, I mean, the one the, the one was, thing was that you know was in the book, the whole fucking hotel blows up, right? You know, and 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 obviously that did not happen in right. in the uh, in the Kubrick version, and and so. Yeah, that so the the hotel was not the hotel was not in Doctor Sleep, no. the novel at all. No, uh, and, but 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 you know I I think that's that's where it goes to show that like you know Flanagan just has he just he fucking he knows he just knows so, he knows how to approach things. And execute things, and he knew, yeah. you know what? We're gonna make we're gonna make a fucking sequel to The Shining. Yeah. You know what? The most people, what they know of The Shining is Kubrick's film, right? And so you're not gonna do something that is more. It, it, I don't know, but but then again, he was ex- incredibly faithful to King's novel. The important know, the the sequel. The important thing is, for all intents and purposes, before that movie was made. The the book Doctor Sleep was it, it was unfilmable. People did not believe it was possible yeah. to make a film adaptation of that book. They didn't right. at all because of those problems. Mike right. Flanagan not only did it, but did it to the point that the movie is really good. Yeah, it is really good. It is riveting. Yeah, I watched the director's cut. It's three hours long. <laughs> I need to watch that. I, I, it, I saw it in the theater and that was it. It did not feel like three hours. It blew my mind. It went by so fast and it was it was riveting, riveting. It's just, it's it's crazy and it's messed up. 
and it's kind of fun and funny at times, but it's also super dark and crazy. It's just, it's a great, great movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the things about Flanagan, you know, that I like so much is that he's, um, he can be unflinching. Yeah. You know, if he's given, if he's given the opportunity, you know, and given the kind of free reign. Yeah. Um, he can be, you know, very unflinching and, and, and true to himself. Yes. And, 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 you know, there, there's a scene, there's a scene in Dr. Sleep and, and, and I, we should have said spoilers. Obviously there's a lot of spoilers. We're going to be talking about spoilers. We're going to be talking about all this shit. We, we do this, we, we do this in every episode. So, I mean, I feel like if you get a click on a podcast about something, you should understand that there's going to be spoilers. But anyway, spoilers. Um, Dr. Sleep. I mean, there's a scene in Dr. Sleep that is directly from the novel. And it's very dark. Yes. And disturbing. It's hard to watch. And involves a child. And he, he I don't even know how he got that into... The theatrical cut. I don't honestly. Know. I don't know because, and he I mean, basically, edited, and he edited that. He edits all of his shit because and it was he. And that's it, how he started his career. And it was four. It ended up being. It, it took him days, and it ended up being four and a half minutes long. That scene, and he said it like, it it, it ruined him for a long time. It's that dark. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, he's it's a fucked up scene. He, he was there when it was filmed. He knows the actors involved. And he sat there with the, the with all his footage going through it all and watching it and putting it together. And, and he said it, it affected him very deeply doing that because it's, as you said, unflinching. It is. It's ter- yeah. it's terrifying. It's essentially. It's, and this leads right into where we're going with with Midnight Mass. It's uh, it's a vampire story it is uh, essentially yeah i mean and so um in in doctor sleep you have these these group of people who are uh basically they feed off of the energy they're like psychic vampires i guess is, right. is what they call them and they feed off the energy of certain individuals and children tend to have higher volumes of this right specific type of energy and so they target you know they target they tend to target children and um and so that's the scene where they like straight up like like murder like a child you know which mm-hmm. is like on screen know, fuck, for nearly like five minutes up. and yeah and like the in the kid is like in you know tormented it's hard and to it's, watch yeah it's like fucked up and but it's but it's necessary. It's not like torture porn. I mean, it's necessary to set. It's not. Gra- it's that not up that graphic the, or anything either. Yeah, it's, it's not it's necessarily just, graphic. It's just like the thematic, thematically, you know, it's very, just, very dramatic. Yeah, and so, um, yeah. I mean, Doctor Sleep is a is is a great film. I I wish it had done better, and I, and I don't I I don't really understand why it didn't do better. I mean, I feel no. like The Shining is a very well known classic horror film from a like i said a legendary director stanley kubrick 
Steve is Stephen King. People fucking love Stephen King. I don't know what you got. Ewan McGregor, and and uh, uh, what's her name in there is is really is Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, Rebecca Ferguson as the as the villain is Rose the Hat is is fantastic. Um, but they do things in that movie. I mean, even just like on paper, you'd be like, "This, I don't think this can work." And then, right. and then, and then, like he does things like that. Oh my god, could have been a fucking disaster. Yeah. You know, like like I- including like Jack Nicholson's character, right. And and using a different actor and not doing like a digital face replacement type of deal. I mean, there's so many things that could have gone so wrong and just ma- it would have turned out laughable. Right. But somehow he like managed all of that like very well, and the the film comes across like yeah. But anyways, Midnight I know, Mass. I, but, yeah, Midnight Mass. I mean, I know. I, I just I knew I wanted to talk about yeah Doctor Sleep because I feel like it's very underappreciated, and because I feel like it does tie in, you know, That's with true. Midnight Mass with the vampires well, and whatnot. Well, and as you said, the the thing about Mike Flanagan is is you know he he has been doing a lot of adaptations. So Doctor Sleep, Hill House. He did Haunting of Bly Manor, which was an adaptation of Turn of the Screw. And he was doing a lot of other people's stories, and he was doing a lot of, of stuff that, you know, just to kind Gerald's of, Game. Gerald's Game, just to keep working. Another Stephen King. And so, right. Another one that was deemed unfilmable that he made and made pretty right. well. Um, right. So, th- which brings us to Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass is an original story. It's one of his first original stories in a while. And it is from his, from what he says is it's a concept that he's basically been thinking about for decades. Like this is, this is a story that he has had cooking for a long time. And at least in the last 10 years been really working to get made. Yeah. So to see it, to see that come to life, not only is it original story, but to see it come to life after all of the things, you know, seeing him adapt all of these other things is very exciting. Yeah. Um, I, I was reading today that, um, actually, so, you, you know, we were talking about his, some of his other movies, uh, Hush is another one. I don't know if we mentioned. That's a good one. Um, that's a good one with, uh, uh, Katie Siegel, which is actually, you know, who is his wife, uh, in real life and, um, has been in a lot of his projects and is in Midnight Mass and, um, but the, the Midnight Mass, the title, Mm-hmm. is used in a lot of his previous work. So it's right. it, it, it's in Hush as one of, I think, because she's like a writer, right? Yeah, it's one of her stories. And so it's like one of her stories. And then in, in Gerald's Game, it's a book. Yeah. Like, uh, I, have you seen Gerald's Game? Not yet, no. Okay, yeah. It's good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like a, it's, the story of that is, you know, like, this woman essentially is gets handcuffed to a bed by her husband and then her husband dies and then a bunch of crazy shit happens. So she's like handcuffed to her bed. And like, right. anyway, the book is, is one of the things like it's like on a shelf above the bed or, but whatever, but it's like midnight mass and it's clearly, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he's been, this is something that, you know, he's been, he's been kind of, like you said, he's been thinking about um, 
for a while. Um, but and he, I think he he even pitched it. He he pitched it back in in 2014, and nobody, like everybody, passed on it. Um, Stupid. And <laughs> well, he originally and, wanted it to be a movie too, not a series. Yeah, yeah. Originally, it was it was supposed to be a movie, and then and then yeah, and then it was going to be a series, and and uh, and so he kept including it as kind of like a prop in different movies of his, and to to kind of keep it alive over the years, and and uh, he would he would tell like. You know, like on the, on the on these other projects, he would tell the crew members that like it's the best project that he'll never make, and mm-hmm. then here we are now, and he finally got to make it, um, and rightfully so. He does he deserves that opportunity. You know? Yeah, I mean, especially with I mean, especially with Netflix. I mean, the Haunting yeah. series is like he yeah. he's I don't know if he's obviously got a contract of some kind with Netflix, and the things that he's made for them is, have been very very good. Yeah, and he's got another one coming out, probably next year. Midnight um, Club. Mm-hmm. Which that's an adaptation. <laughs> yeah, that's based off of a book, um, but it sounds really good. Yeah, and and it's Mike Flanagan, so I'm sure it's going to be great. Um, but but anyways, suffice it to say, all that all that being said, all that time we've spent talking about Mike Flanagan, a lot of time. previous projects, a lot of love. We love him. We, we love do him. love him. Um, we do. I mean, uh, and, and I think we'll get into this a little bit later. Uh, the differences between because you know Hill House is is my favorite thing that he's done, um, and um, and so you know we'll talk we'll talk about this later as we get in more into midnight mass itself and stuff but um th- while that's still my favorite this series did something different for me uh, affected oh, me yeah. dif- differently yeah um and so i i i yeah i i loved it i thought it was great uh i did have my i did have certain issues with it yeah um but you know, we'll talk about that. So, um, it's, it's not as flawless as Hill House for no, sure. No. Um, and yeah, I mean, to me, uh, I don't know. It just, it just affected me in a different way. It yes. like, I'll, whenever I, when I think about Hill House, I have this certain kind of, um, this response, this, this, this reaction that I that I vividly remember having to that series, and and this this series Midnight Mass, I have this very this very different kind of response yeah. that I'll always remember having with it. And while I favor one over the other, I'm just happy that I had a strong response. To, yeah, you know, I mean, that's... You know, to 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 both of them, and that's you know. And that's, that's kind of what it's all about is is having that kind of having something that you have a passionate response and reaction to. He's very good at that about getting a, a response. Yeah, and about the about really driving those, you know, those feelings, those highs and lows through the conversations yeah. and things and the and the dramatic pieces he puts into his work. 
I mean, that's really one of the things that I love about him is I know when I watch something of his, I'm going to feel something. I'm not yeah, just going to watch absolutely. it. And it's going to be really good. I'm going right. to fucking feel something. Yeah. There, I mean, and there's I, so much at my age and the amount of alcohol I drink, I just need to fucking <laughs> feel something sometimes. Just make, just make me feel something. I just need to, <laughs> just need to feel alive. Should um, we talk about what happens in this show before we talk about, I mean, I don't know how long it yeah. would take to cover that. Oh God! It's, there's just so much. I could um, do it probably quickly, maybe. I don't you know. you are you've seen it twice now. You're so much better. I mean, like me, I'm like I'm one of those people who like I I like when I try to like tell a fucking story or something. Like I always include unnecessary details. If you need, go. if if the audience needs proof, just rewind twenty minutes and start listening to the Doctor Sleep section <laughs> where Luke rambles. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I know, but um. Yeah, so I mean, go ahead and 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 give the briefest synopsis. I mean, you we got to explain do. it somehow if we're going to talk about. Yeah. it. I mean, yeah. nobody's hopefully nobody's going to listen to this that hasn't already Although, seen it. But yeah, exactly. No, that's the thing. You know, you've got. But that. we we want to establish some kind of a storyline here, so that when we reference things later, it's not like you know, out of the blue. Um, so the, the, it takes place on the small island, fishing island, that's been hit by hard times. There's only 127 people living there at the time. Um, they had a spill. They lost a bunch of, of fishing uh, um, and, and crabbing around the area, so they're kind of losing their livelihood. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a, just a, a small community on very hard times on this tiny island that's 30 miles off the coast of like uh, the northeast uh, U.S., it seems like. Um, they never explicitly say, um, right. Crockett Island, Crockett Island. And, um, and so there's a number of characters involved. First character you're introduced to is Riley. He, he is like a kid from the Island. He left. Um, he became a venture capitalist, uh, and he partied all the time. And the, the series opens with him having killed, a young woman in a drunk driving accident. So he gets sentenced to four years in prison to, to, to basically, you know, as his punishment. So the series, so that's kind of like the, kind of like the prologue. And the series really starts with him. He's coming home. So he's talking to his mom on the phone. He's getting ready to come home the next day. And at the same time, the Island is waiting for their priest their Catholic priest to return from this pilgrimage they all sent him on. So he's, he was old and he was kind of getting a little loose in the, in the head. So they sent him on this trip to kind of like see the fatherland, you know, the motherland, whatever you call it, Jerusalem <laughs> before he died. Okay. So those are the two main characters that come in. And then there's a whole a town, a whole town full of people. Um, and so basically what happens is, this young priest comes in and he's he's like Monsignor Pruitt, that's the name of the old priest, is not coming. Monsignor. He's, he's, Monsignor. Um, he's he's sick. He got too sick on his trip. He's on the homeland. They sent me to replace him. I'm here to lead mass. And so the mass is tiny. Like I said, there's 127 people on the island. There's like 10 people at the service. And um, and then at the same time, Riley meets up with his old girlfriend who happens to be back on the island as well teaching and she's pregnant and um, she split up with the father and she's back and and they start kind of hanging out. So from there, to completely long story short this, 
And this is going to be quick, hopefully. It's going to be a big jump here. It's going oh, to be God, a big. Man. This is going to be a big leap. But Long again, story. Right. You should have. Hopefully, you've seen this. Long story short is. The father, Paul, who is the young priest that shows up, is actually Monsignor Pruitt. He he went on his pilgrimage, and as part of that pilgrimage, came across the lair of this creature, this giant creature with wings. Got fucking lost. Got fucking lost in a lost sandstorm. Lost in the desert. Yeah. And because he's fucking, he's got he was he's got dementia. Old and demented. And, yeah. And and yeah, stumbled upon a cave. Went down, got, that, went down in that cave and there, and basically a, got his neck chomped on, yeah, and and then started calling this creature an angel. At which point, the creature decided to cut open its wrist and feed the monsignor some of its blood. And the monsignor passed out because he was obviously had blood loss and realized uh, woke up in the morning, um, only to realize he hadn't died and walked into the light and realized that he was actually not only dead, not dead, but he was young mm-hmm. and took off, uh, back to, uh, you know, through the desert, back to his hotel and whatnot, realizing that this creature was actually following him through the night and, th- and believing this creature to be an angel and to, and what happened to be a miracle. And so he basically struggle smuggles this creature back to the Island with him. At which point he begins tainting the communion water, the communion wine with this creature's blood. And at, at this point, the entire Island starts seeing a revival and they all start being healed and getting younger. And you see them slowly stop wearing their glasses. Um, and, and he thinks that it's all because this creature is, and there's, there's a young girl who is, is paralyzed from the waist down in a wheelchair who start, you know, who he gets to start walking and yeah. Yeah. And and a, 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 an old woman with Alzheimer's who begins to reverse age, kind of like Father yeah. Pruitt, number of people. Um, yep. And so, uh, essentially, what happens? What happens is he dies. Father Pruitt ends up dying, and at that point, he takes on full vampiric traits. He has a lust for blood and he gets burned in the sunlight, but he's still himself. He's not like an animal. And so believing that he's been resurrected and this is some kind of miracle and that some of these signs and symptoms are just, you know, a part of the deal. Um, he continues on this mission to convert the rest of the island. So his, his, he's galvanized now to believing that he's going to turn all these, he's, that he's defeated death with the help of this angel and he's going to convert all these people. So he continues to feed him the blood. Huh? I said it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. So he continues to feed him the blood. Um, Riley ends up showing up at the wrong place at the wrong time and getting killed by the angel, at which point they they actually feed him the blood and make him a vampire. Um, and I was trying to avoid saying that word. And um, <laughs> and Father Pruitt actually spends a whole episode coaching him through it and trying to convince yeah. him to – uh, you know, this is a gift from God and to live a righteous life. He's been blessed and blah, blah, blah. And great knowing episode, that it's not, yeah, great. That's the best episode of the whole thing. Yeah. And knowing that it's actually not, and that he's an, and not only that, but that he's an addict and that he won't be able to resist the urge to drink blood and he won't be able to keep it. Uh, Riley ends up killing himself in a, in a, in a rowboat at dawn with, with the, his old girlfriend, Aaron. Um, so that she can see that this is real and so right. that she can begin to 
fight this on the island. And then it kind of all culminates in a midnight mass on Easter, wherein um, the entire or- the entire congregation is presented with uh, poison to drink. Um, the brouhaha breaks out when they see like this the first guy drink poison, and they they're trying to like you know some people are like trying to stop it and they're freaking out. And then the angel shows up, which obviously is not an angel, and people start freaking out from that. And then the guy who died uh, and drank the poison initially wakes up, and they're all like, holy shit, he really is alive. And so everybody <laughs> starts drinking poison, and like the more yeah. rational people are like, we got to get the fuck out of here. And it's like it's it's like 20 or 25 minutes of insanity, that scene. Yeah. And yeah. so it ends up with like about a third of the island, half the island is – is has has converted now to being essentially a vampire and the it ends with basically them all pulling pulling their the people on the island who weren't at church like from their homes and drinking their blood converting some of them and burning down the island to uh save only the church um and they're thwarted by the 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 sole survivors of the island uh Aaron and and a couple of other people and uh, the sheriff, yep, and the sheriff who actually burned down the church and the rec center that they were planning to use to hide during the day, and so there's no no uh, no shelter left on the island. And when dawn arises, they all whoosh, burn up, <laughs> and basically only two people survive. Yep, a young boy and a young yep. girl. The girl who who walked. Yep. That was yeah. a very, I mean, there's a lot, I mean, this is seven episodes of almost an hour and 10 minutes each. So that was a lot to fit in. Yeah. No, 10, you, did, you did five minutes I, of talking, but I mean, I gotta say you did it. You did a pretty damn good job. Better than I would have done. And, um, we would I'm, still I'm be not, going if you were doing it. Yeah, no, I'm not good at, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not good at, uh, truncating, uh, shit. So like that. So, um, elaborating on it is what will come now. Like the whole point is to take yeah. that now and now we'll elaborate and discuss the right, things right. that, that we like about right. it. Um, so what do we like? About it? <laughs> what do we like about it? <laughs> what is, wait, what do we like about it again? Um, well, I mean, for me, first and foremost is like, again, we talked about the human element with yes, Mike Flanagan. He's got a ton of characters in this show. So I, I really just talked about, Riley, who was only in five episodes, and and yeah, you and, didn't even really mention some of the you know really key characters, um, right? Sheriff and Sheriff, uh, the uh, the doctor, kinda, well, the doctor, and then you've got um, you've got basically uh, Pruitt's the 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 priest's uh, right right hand woman, yes, uh, Beverly, who. Yes is crazy and i and maybe i was (laughs) maybe i was trying to hide the fact that it seems like the priest is the actual antagonist but he's not the whole time yeah no that's that's but yeah bev bev keen is uh is kind of like uh i don't know what she is she's like a yeah she's like his right hand woman but she's awful yeah she's terrible she's like his little you know henchman who kind of carries out everything that he does but well it's it's heavily implied multiple times that she is like screwed over everyone on the island various in various ways so she's she's a terrible person at the start of the show right nobody likes her nobody likes her and she gets 
worse and worse as the show goes on. Yeah. But she's played amazingly by Samantha Sloyan. Oh, God, I hate Sloyan. her. Sloyan? <laughs> yeah. She's, I, just, I mean, you hate her because she's so, and I didn't yeah. even realize she's, she's uh, the oldest brother's wife in Hill House. And that she's oh, perfectly really? pleasant and like, you know, you don't even like really <laughs> think too much about her. And this, you're I think like, she, she's in Hush too. She's in, she I think is. she's just like a, like a character in Hush that isn't not like an unpleasant character or anything like right. that. Um, she was awful in this. You hate oh her. Oh my God. Yeah. It just really did. I, I think I, I hated her more than anyone. I mean, because, yeah, that's the thing about, you know. Um, well, hmm? she's the only character that doesn't have any redeeming qualities. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, you know, even even Pruitt, you know, the the priest, um, you know, I mean, he, he's doing terrible things. Right. But there's always this, you know, there's always this sense that, you know, like th- it's weird because like with with Pruitt, there's this sense that he feels like he's doing he's r- truly doing like God's work. He's tr- he, he's doing he does the best he can. And he's doing, you know, he, he feels like the choices that he makes are, you know, he has good intentions. He whereas, does. Whereas with Beverly. It's so clearly like it's weird because they're they're on the same they're on the same page most of the show. Right. But it's just it's the way that they kind of define the characters, you know. I think Beverly the, I think is, the key is, difference is is that Pruitt is he truly is and he says it at the end. He said it's never supposed to be about me. It's supposed yeah. to be about God. Yeah. And I, that's the key difference between those two characters. For him, it truly is about God. In his mind, it truly is about God and, and giving the best he can to his parishioners. Whereas with her, it's truly all about her. She she's right. she's she's completely selfish. That's a yeah. great line too, because he screams it. He's like, "It's never supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about God." Yeah. Yeah. And that's the scene too, where all of the townspeople are walking back. This is the last episode. They're all walking, yeah. walking back up to the church, and you can just see their eyes glowing. So when the when they when so t- so the vampire mythos in this is that to become a vampire, you not only have to drink the blood of a vampire, but then you have to die. Yeah, you have to die. So you have to have the blood in you when you die. <laughs> and once that happens, there's no fangs. There's no. The right. only thing that really happens is they have like heightened senses and their eyes have like this eerie glow to them like when they look at certain angles and things. Kind of like an animal and, in the night. And the, and they and then of course they have the the hunger and the thirst. And the, they have the thirst. Blood. Which is basically like a not completely uncontrollable but, a, but a, not completely uncontrollable but a very powerful urge. Yeah. That they Yeah, that, and different characters Different people are, I mean, are affected differently by that. Right. Um, you know, you see, you see Riley's parents at the end that are able to control that, that, that right. bloodlust. Um, but others it's, are not. It's heavily implied that the people who are giving into it are, are okay with giving into it. Right. Like they're kind of getting off on the fact that they're. Right. 
the the ones who made the cho- who made more of a choice right whereas you know the other individuals who kind of had that had that thrust upon them you know like like uh Riley's parents yeah are are ones that you know like can can clearly control those urges or whatever right um but uh but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, really, when you look at this series as a whole, um, I mean, there, are, there's really not a whole lot of straight up horror elements. No, um, maybe just know, a couple things an episode. Yeah, or, or, yeah, and that's a, it, that's kind of the trend that I would I could start to see, like where it's like, okay, you have like, you have all this character drama, blah, 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 go throughout. And then like a lot of times toward the end of episodes. Yeah. They would start to kind of introduce things, pepper, pepper, some kind of like some of those supernatural horror elements in there. Um, But, you know, one of the things early on in the show that had me on edge uh, was like the way that he would that they would compose the shots. Um, there's always windows. There were always yes. these like dark windows looking out into the night, and I was always watching them. I was <laughs> because you know <laughs> if, if you're if you're a Mike Flanagan fan and you've you've watched his other work, you know particularly uh, you know Haunting of Hill House and and, and Bly Manor and stuff like that. There, it's infamous for having a lot of like ghosts and and other little things kind of hidden in the background that you don't immediately you know see right. uh, upon you know watching it for the first time. And, um, and so I was always looking at stuff like that. And plus, just the way that it's composed, like your eye is kind of drawn to those areas, anyways. Right. And so you're just and it's a horror. You know, it's kind of meant to be horror. So you're always you're you're on edge. You're looking. You're watching. And, um, and, and so I like, I, I enjoyed <laughs> that aspect of that. And, it, and it does kind of like, you know, there are, there are parts of that where it, 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 it kind of, you know, it actually, you know, you look for, you, you're watching and you're looking and things don't happen, but then think, you know, eventually things do start to oh, appear yeah. and, and catch off guard. Um, but you know, one of the first one. It's it's interesting because when this when this show was announced, and even right up to when I first started watching it, I had no idea what it was about. Yeah, I don't. Um, I mean, I don't I, know other that, than the basic plot. I, and I don't know that most people. I think there's a heavy contingent of people that watched the show or are still watching the show, an episode or two in, and they don't. They have no idea. Yeah. It it's very. It takes it takes a bit for you to fully understand what really is going to happen. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and I mean, and so, you know, I I had no idea that it was going to be kind of this vampire kind of horror film because because if you look at if you look at all of um you know Flanagan's past you know projects and films and and things like that, he doesn't. He doesn't tend to do uh, horror films that have like a creature or have some sort of like right. 
monster or something. It's more often than not uh, psychological, right? Uh, and and paranormal in terms of like spirits, ghosts, things like that. Um, so I I really had no i I had no idea what you know what to expect, um, and 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 but but it was it's interesting because even before i realized oh this is a vamp this is going to be like a vampire kind of story vampire right. horror or whatever i think i even mentioned to you like a couple episodes in i was like this there's like i get like a big stephen king salem's lot oh yeah vibe vibe to it and that's before yeah. any vampire elements are brought into the equation you know right um and so that i thought that was kind of interesting that i i had that kind of immediate gut reaction and feeling and and drew the parallels you know you know to to salem's lot which yeah. is a vampire story before vampire elements even kind of came into it yeah i mean i mean for me it was kind of it was very similar in that, so well, it was kind of in stages. So when I saw the trailer, the teaser, the original teaser, where they started showing clips from this, my first thought was, "This is an unannounced adaptation of Salem's Lot." Like oh, that was my really? first. My brain went right there. I was like, "This really? is like that's what it's gonna be," and so I got really hopeful, <laughs> and and then. And then when the series starts, one of the first scenes, I mean, it's like scene number three, four, five, somewhere in there. It's very early on is young Pruitt going back to his house on the uh, and and pulling and he's got this giant trunk with him and he yeah. knocks on the trunk. And then the trunk knocks back. And you're yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, that was yeah. one of the best, like yeah. the first, one of the first scenes that you're just like, what the fuck? I mean, there was like a ghost. So Riley sees his visions of of the woman that he killed, which is very creepy. That's like one of the first things that's really yeah. creepy that they show. Yeah. But honestly, the part where he knocked on the trunk was the first part where I was like, oh, like my skin crawled. I was like, oh yeah. shit. And then I was like, oh my God, am I right? Is this going to be like a Salem's Lot adaptation? Right. Right. And it's very similar. But the thing, so the thing, not even beyond this, going to Doctor Sleep and going to, um, and going to Hill House and those things, the thing that Mike Flanagan does that very few, and he's got a lot more time to do it than a lot of horror filmmakers that are doing a movie as opposed to a TV show. But the one thing that he does that not a lot of other people do, and the thing that he understands that not a lot of other people understand is how to build is is how to world build within the horror genre. A lot of times it seems like there's not a lot of world building. There's not a lot of like I mean, people will watch Midnight Mass and they will watch these first two episodes and they will say, eh, not a lot happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, not a lot happens because you are learning the intricacies of these people and their relationships so that when the yeah. shit does happen, you're like, my God. Yeah. <laughs> what are these yeah. what are these people doing to each other? And right. that's what Stephen King does. When you read Salem's Lot, like the first if I, you know, remember back from when I read it, it's in a lot of his other books, it's it starts the setup is is here's this small town and here's all these people 
and how they interact and how they know each other. And here's Joe at the hardware store and here's so-and-so and here's so-and-so yeah. who's cheating on. And it's not the good, just the good things. It's also the bad things. You know, you learn the seedy underbelly and who's, who's bad and who's good. And, and as the story develops, some of these people who you think are bad sh- show that they're really virtuous. And some of these people you think may be good show that they're really not, you know, and that's, I mean, that's what Mike Flanagan does that, on film that Stephen King does in his writing is he builds those small towns. He builds those communities and Hill house. It was obviously a family, not a community, but he built yeah. that family and you felt like every one of those freaking characters. There's yeah, six people absolutely. in that family, six or seven. I think it was seven. Shit. And, and you, but I, well, I was going to say, you can't even, you know, each one of them so well, but I can't even remember how many there were. So I guess I won't say that. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. No, but I mean, yeah, there's at least, uh, yeah, there's at least five or six siblings. There's five. Two boys and three girls. Yeah. So yeah. there's seven seven total people in the family. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and honestly, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, I love that. I love the, the, um, the slow burn. I love that 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 slow, intentional. You know, just building characters, building relationships, building drama. Yeah, and and then and then fucking you know dropping the ball, and yeah. and, and 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 watching to see what happens. And that's you know, I I think that's where you know, shows like this series like this that have multiple episodes to do that. They're, they're coming across as like, I mean, they're, they're, they're just more successful and they're, they're better. They're better than a movie could ever be. You can't do that. And, and, and I, and it's, it's to the point now where like, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine you know, a movie, even that, even a movie that's two and a half hours long, which is a long fucking movie, two and a half right. hours, even a, a three hour fucking movie. Like, like it's hard to imagine trying to do the same thing with that, that limited amount of time. Yeah, for um, sure. And so it's like, you know, that, and that's why I think TV has become so, so big, such a big industry yeah. and such a, you know what I mean? Like, and people are drawn to that. People like that. People like People like that format, you know, um, of having, you know, six, seven, even 10 episodes um, because you just it it allows you to become it just gives you more time. It it allows you to become more invested in 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 characters. Yeah. And and that's and that's ultimately, you know, what and and then when things blow up and when things get crazy and, and. people start dying or whatever like that's when you're like oh shit because you're invested in them you've had right. that time you've spent more you've spent more time with them everybody's got that one character that they pick that they hope doesn't you know especially in horror you, they got that one character that they pick that hope they hope doesn't die like i really just hope that so and so survives this because i love them you know that's how and and with this with it like with a seven hour show with a 10 hour show like it's even more so and not only that but then you take it to the level of Mike Flanagan and Mike Flanagan not only like has all these, you know, spends time building the world, but he, he's so, 
and and you know give it to his continuity team too but he so perfectly takes these people you know he takes i'm looking at the cast list right now and there's one two three four there's six or seven characters in the show that have long and well-defined like character arcs and and they within the first two episodes within the first three episodes they you feel close enough to them to understand their motivations to understand what they think about the world to understand how they make decisions and everything from there on out that they react to is within their character there's nothing that happens in the later not i can't think of a single thing and and that includes like hillhouse and bly too i can't think of a single character that he develops that makes a decision that I'm like, I don't know about that. Like every single one of them, he, he, he so geniusly lays out like, this is who this person is. This is what they care about. This is how they behave. And when the shit hits the fan, that's super important. Like you cannot, I can't overstate how important that is because when the shit hits the fan and in this show, it hits the fan (laughs) when the shit hits the fan everybody's got a different reaction and it depends on their character. And, and, and some of the stuff that happens in the show is so outlandish that if those characters are not grounded and you don't believe them, you're not going to trust the decisions that they make later. You're just going to be like, well, that's stupid. Why did they do that? That doesn't happen. He, I've never watched a Mike Flanagan thing where I was like, that's stupid. Why did that person do that? He, he, because he develops these people to a point where you're like, yeah. it's intuitive, the decisions they're making. Like, they're real fucking people. It's yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's normal to do that with a cast of a handful of people. But to do it over a miniseries with a cast of like six to ten who are all doing that and all have different motivations, it just – it blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean I think um you know you know talking about you know we, we've established now that this is a vampire story. It is uh, a vampire I mean, story. If you I didn't mean, watch the show and you've been re- listening to these ramblings <laughs> and you haven't picked up on it yet, it is a fucking I mean, vampire. And 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 like you said they never say they never say vampire which I they love. Never, it's they never it's like reference a, it as vampire. Yeah, it's like a device that I don't know if it's intentional. I assume it is, but it's like a device that Flanagan uses where it's like within this world, either the vampire mythos doesn't exist or it doesn't exist in the way that it does for our world. Like these people are yeah. not like, oh, it's a vampire. Like that doesn't happen. Like these people are oblivious to that fact. Yeah. For the most part. And I think we, you know, we talked about this a little bit, you know, outside of the podcast and, you know, you kind of talked about, um, how by doing that, you, you kind of, they, he's kind of freed himself up to, okay, I'm going to create my own rules now. And it doesn't have to abide by, and well, and, and the other thing about like vampire movies in general is that, you know, that's kind of the fun thing about vampire movies is that right. you can, 
you can take certain elements of the vampire mythology yeah and pick and choose what you yeah. want to use what you want to incorporate what do you want your vampire to be you know what do you want <laughs> what do you want your vampire to be <laughs> you know i mean like and i want so, mine to be six foot tall with a big blonde <laughs> mullet and a leather jacket uh, but um but yeah you can, i mean the vampire mythos is pretty malleable you can you can you can pick and choose the rules as you see fit there's not essentially, one essentially the rules. only thing the only thing that that is a must is the blood drinking yes I mean, that's kind of the only thing that's but like, even that, okay, you have to fucking have that. Even that, it could just be feeding off of true energy true. or feeding off of like like uh you know like um uh, uh fucking um I'm, cat's I'm eye that little goblin in cat's <laughs> eye. Uh Jesus Christ. Doctor Sleep, though you've got the psychic yeah. vampires, you've got energy, you're draining energy. Yeah. But again, so, yeah. all again. the same. Yeah. Um, but, but the I brilliance like, of this is, yeah. I, yeah. But I like how, how Flanagan kind of flips the script on the vampire mythology in this. And, um, I mean, I thought the, one of the, one of the things that I thought was cool is that like, it's one of the established kind of things in vampire mythology. Okay. You got the blood drinking. Mm-hmm. You got your blood drinking. You got your blood drinking. You got. You can't go out. You can't go out in daylight. Sunlight, like a gremlin. Burn, yeah, just sunlight, like a gremlin. Sunlight mm-hmm. burns you, and the, yeah. they keep that. You know, they keep that here in in the series. Um, but but one of the other things is that the the symbol of Christianity, the cro- the, the cross, the crucifix, right, is is something that wards off that evil that that the the vamp that it wards off the vampire. Yeah, it 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 acts as a barrier, a a protection between the good versus the the evil. You know, the vampire. Um, and so, you know, you always so you know you're kind of trained in 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 watching vampire films and stuff over the decades or whatever. You're kind of trained to you separate the vampire element and. The idea of the 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 cross, the the symbol of Christianity, mm-hmm. and so it's like, and 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 so it's interesting because in 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 this show, they he he flips that script, and and so you have you have uh, uh, the 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 cross, the symbol of the Christianity, the, that reli- that religious aspect is right. tied is tied directly to the vampirism. Yeah. It's and, taken up. And, and so instead of something that's warding it off, it's, it's linked directly with the vampirism. Right. And, and, and so you, you end up more, and, and because this show is so focused on the religious aspects of, you know, and everything, you, you see the parallels you're yeah. you're able to view the par- parallels between between vampirism, the, the vampire mythology, and like Christian rituals. You just right. be able, you're able to you're like oh shit! Like you see things that like you make right. connections that you you didn't 
do in, in, in previous experiences watching vampire movies because because that it was always like this there's always this disconnect it was always like oh right. the symbol of of christianity that that religious kind of that that faith was what protected you right and and in the, and in this show it's the it's the exact opposite it's like right. it, it's the, the religious aspect that is tied to the vampirism so it's, i thought that yeah. was really interesting oh, yeah. way to kind of subvert those kind of like expectations and 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 make it a unique experience you know yeah for sure and and there are so many so many bible quotes and bible verses that like they use within the show to to basically back up what they're doing yeah everything that they do that you're like, well, that's fucking heinous, you know? Like they, yeah. you know, Father Pruitt, Bev, you know, the couple of other inner circle people who were in on it before the shit hits the fan, um, they've all got these these things that they've that they've come up with from the Bible that kind of defend their position. Um, and again, galvanize them to the fact that this is the right thing to do, especially Father Pruitt. You know, he's... You know, like for instance, one of the big things is, is you know, so he he goes to this cave and uh, this vampire, you know, drinks his blood and then and then feeds it his blood to, to as presumably to, you know, get taken, you know, to get taken out of this desert, you know, to have somebody to kind of look after it, is why he does this for Father Pruitt, um, but. When Father Pruitt sees it, you know, he, he thinks it's an angel and, and, and a lot of the references in the Bible, when, when people see angels, they're terrified. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and a lot of angels, um, the descriptions of them in the Bible are not humanistic with wings and halos. Like that's a, that's a, you know, a rather, a rather, uh, new invention i guess i don't i don't want to you know kind of a renaissance thing i guess maybe um they're you know some of them are crazy looking you know i remember i think it's a wrinkle in time is it a wrinkle in time um where there's like a one of the creatures in there is like a i think it's a seraphim or something like introduces itself to the girl and uh and like they explain what it looks like and it's, you know, that's a type of angel. And it's obviously in that book, it's like, it's more like a sci-fi thing. It's not really like a, tr you know, it's not intended to be religious, but it's like a, they explained it somehow, but it's like, it's crazy looking, you know, they explain it. It's like fucking crazy looking. So in his mind, it's like, you know, yeah, you know, this could be an angel, you know? And, and the other thing is they say like people, like I said, were afraid of it. So he's like terrified of it. And then he like slowly as he's like laying on the ground, like he comes to this realization, like, Oh, I'm scared because I'm in the presence of like this heavenly creature. And it's like, no dude. <laughs> and he, and he, he, he calls out, doesn't he? Doesn't he say yeah, like something he, he he calls it. He, yeah, he, he an was laying there dying and as he's, well, not, I think he was dying. As I forget the exact order. But he said he no, finally... No, he's not his, dying. His he's not dying. That, com that comes later. <laughs> well, the, the, the angel hasn't fed him his 
blood yet, I think. So I'm thinking, I think he, he got fed on and he's laying there like dying on the ground. And he sees um, like, there's, there's a shot where you, I mean, they show see it. They show this thing for, I, a long I would time. almost say, I, don't, I would almost say too long. Yeah. And, and then you but almost it, kind of, they, you, he, this like kind of subtle halo actually kind of right. appears behind behind the this creature's head right. as you know and he in his demented brain he took took him forever but he came up with the word <laughs> and he said angel out loud and that was the point where the the vampire was like oh and like fed him his blood right right and like sustained him so it's almost like it's 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 you wonder like so that gets us to the next question the angel's motives Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's, so that's I mean, that, where it begins. That's probably, that's, my, that's probably my biggest question. From that's the where the question series. starts. Like he he brings Father Pruitt back to life at that point. So Father Pruitt's like, oh, an angel. He says it out loud. The old Father Pruitt as he's dying, <laughs> and the angel brings him back to life. And, but but why? You know, that's so that's the piece that you can kind of surmise, but it's not very explicit. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not really sure. I mean, you well, know. it's been good talking to you, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> fuck, he, I don't know. So yeah, some something something triggers the this creature, the angel, to uh, to to feed him his own blood, right. which. You know, then then Father Pruitt wakes up the next morning in the you know light of day, and he's young, he's he's uh, thirty forty years younger, and uh, and he basically kind of says, I mean, so what's revealed later on? Actually, what what isn't revealed? It's not even revealed until the last episode is that um, Father Pruitt had a relationship with another character on the island who is you know in in the present timeline of the show is an old woman right just like he was an old man um he had had a relationship with her and uh the doctor character in the show sarah was their child and um and they had to they had to keep this relationship of theirs a secret, right? Um, because he was a priest, blah blah blah. Um, and so, you know, the fact that he was old and he was dying, and his the love of his life, Mildred, was kind of back home, aging and dying as well, right? Um, like that was his that that became it's revealed that that became his main incentive to like he saw he saw what happened with him this this creature reversed his aging made him young again and and he wanted he wanted to bring that back you know to Crockett Island he wanted to bring that back to make you know the love of his life Mildred young again and so that he could have like this kind of second chance at all at, at, at the life that you know he wanted but he couldn't have right um and 
but yeah, to me, like, there's still the question of like, what's what's the motive of the angel? Why would the why would the the angel, i.e., the vampire, why would he do this? Like, wh- he's in this he's in this kind of like he's he's living cave. the lap of luxury in this fucking cave. <laughs> he's got but, no I mean, worries. But I mean, he's been in this cave. How long has he been in this cave? And what what stopped him? I mean, the cave had an opening. So this thing could fucking get out if it wanted to. It wasn't right. like it wasn't like Pruitt like fell through a fucking hole in the ground into this cave that that this thing lived in that oh, all of a sudden, oh shit, I've got a way out. Like right. there was an opening to the cave. And so like my like me like you questioning like what's like why did the why did you know why did the angel why did the the vampire need Pruitt at all like he could have flown out gone to the nearest fucking town and just started fucking feeding on people turning people and boom bam you got vampires all over the place you know what I mean like yeah. why didn't he do that. Like, why did he even need Pruitt to do anything for him? And 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 then when the thing is, is like when, so, okay, Pruitt takes him back. Pruitt fucking crates him up, takes him back to the island. Well, well, then the fucking vampire is doing all, he's doing all the work anyways. He's continuing to do all the work. He's, like you said, he's feeding on animals. And then he's and then he's feeding his blood, right? To to Pruitt. So like, what's what the hell is he getting out of this? You know, why yeah. did he why did he even do this? If he really wanted to spread, you know, the vampirism or whatever, he could have fucking done that where he walk, initially was. He could have fucking walked walk out a of the half cave, mile to Jer- yeah. Jerusalem, and yeah, flew out of the cave at night and fucking yeah, gone wild, you know. So like yeah. that's that's the question for me, and, that, and maybe that's meant to be like you know maybe it's just a plot meant as a plot device. I don't know, you know. Yeah. But there's there's something there, you know, with regard to the vampire wanting to get out, you know, to get to like a new hunting ground somewhere. Yeah. Um, but it's not overt, and yeah. it's certainly not it certainly doesn't add it's it certainly doesn't isn't easy to understand um yeah but i think i i I can't say once i can't say once the vampire is back at crockett island i think or or even once Pruitt has its blood inside of him. I think that there's like a connection. Yeah. So Pruitt makes, says a couple times, a couple different times throughout the show, like when the girl gets out of the wheelchair and walks Lisa, um, uh, he, he says he just knew like he just, he had a feeling that she was, she was able to do it and stand up and walk. And you could say, well, that's because, you know, he saw what happened to himself and he'd been giving her the blood. So he is, you know, he just knew that something was going to happen. Um, but then later he also says he knows when Riley dies, he says he, he knows that he's gone. He can feel it. So there's a number of times where it's allusions are made to the fact that 
those who have ingested the blood can kind of like sense things about other people who have and and potentially the vamp the main vampire as well the angel um so the thought my thought is once he's been fed the blood from the angel um the angel kind of like works out like how he can use him you know and in terms of like establishing a, a kind of a a, a a base of operations and a, you know a new feeding ground and potentially new 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 vampires because it tr- they do establish that the vampirism is a disease. So any disease wants to replicate. So it's really, he really, the vampire really wants to spread this somehow. So as far as why he doesn't just do it where he's at, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that is ultimately what his goal is, especially once he has Pruitt and he can kind of understand Pruitt and Pruitt can kind of understand him. And Pruitt even says, especially once Pruitt becomes a vampire, like a full vampire, he, he says you can hear the voice of God through the angel. I mean, he explicitly says that. So he yeah. he's hearing this angel giving him instructions on what to do, essentially. Um, and 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 so all of that kind of ties into it. Yeah. But but initially, yeah. I don't know what what causes him not to kill him immediately. I don't know. And my thought is maybe maybe he tries to sustain him, knowing that he's not going to get another meal for some time. Yeah. So he, he doesn't kill him. And then once he's able to kind of like intuit what he's thinking and where he's from and what he'll do, he's like, oh, you know, I could hitch my wagon to that and kind of lets yeah. him go. And what's interesting, you know, too, about like that, that uh, if you want to call it a character, you know, the angel, the vampire, it never has, it never speaks. There's no... Mm-hmm. There's no uh, outside of the scene where you re- you are introduced to him and you know you ha- you have that connection and and you see what happened with Pruitt and and this creature. There are no other scenes where Pruitt and the creature like have a fucking powwow or talk or no. <laughs> like the no. the I mean the vampire never the, this vamp vampire creature never speaks. Um, it's very animalistic and, um, and I like, I mean, I like that about it. Um, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's just that there, there's so many other, there's so much stuff that happens in this, in this series, uh, and, and just so many characters and, and there's, I mean, you know, you know, one of the other things, um, I mean, there, there's just, there's just so much that happens that eventually, you know, you, you're going back through all this and you do question certain elements like this. Yeah. You know, you don't want to, you know, not, not that there necessarily has to be an answer to this. Um, right. But you, you know, there, there's so much that happens that you do go back and you look, you analyze and you look at, at, yeah. at a, a lot of the stuff that has happened over the course of the series. And so, you know, that is one of those kind of questions that were like well you know why you know like and it's a valid right. it's a valid question i mean maybe there doesn't need to be a a, a a definite answer um but it's you know it's it's i don't think you know that i don't think that we're being overly analytical no to to ask those questions and and to look at like well why why did the why did this creature even 
do this and go along with this why you know why didn't he just kind of like make this kind of stand from where he you know already existed i think i think it's an interesting thing though i think it's an interesting thing from the perspective of like father pruitt and from the religious aspect in that in that um like you can't understand God's will. You can't understand God's plan. Like that sort of idea behind it. Like, Mm -hmm. like the angel is not an angel. We know that, but, but, but in the, in, from the point of view of the people within the series, you know, to some extent they thought it, it was, and, and it was a messenger of God essentially. And, and so in Pruitt's mind, maybe like there's this question of like, I, I can't know God's will. You know, I just have to follow it the best I can. So it's kind of, I wonder if to some extent, if maybe there's some of that to it too, where it's like, you, you don't know and you can't know because oh, I totally, it's beyond, beyond knowing, you know, I totally get it from Pruitt's standpoint. No, I, I know, but I mean like, I mean like in terms of the show, like, Oh, they never say that this thing is a vampire. They never say it's not. They never say it's not an angel. They never say that this is not a miraculous. You know what I mean? Like it clearly isn't. But but what I'm saying is like, um, you know, if it be God's will, you know, then 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 it's going to happen. And 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 just like God, the intention of the vampire is unknowable. True. It's it's beyond it's beyond the scope of why he does the things he does are beyond the scope of not only what the characters can understand, but what the audience can understand. Yeah. And, and I get that. And I'm totally fine with just kind of like accepting it at that level. Right. Um, but it, it, it was something that like I did kind of question, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and another thing I don't think we've talked about, you know, and and I think that's kind of, I don't know. I, it was something that like I brought up to you that you had not kind of really thought about, but that was like, you know, why or how uh, Pruitt died in the first place. So right. So you know, Pruitt is the, you know he's the old man. He goes there. He he goes. You know, he's in the Middle East. Gets lost in the desert, stumbles across his cave. This demon feeds on him and then gives him his blood back, reverses his age 30 to 40 years. He comes back. Um, still then, alive. <laughs> still alive. Um, and then, but then you've got, you know, you've got, the, so then you have him kind of like, you see him struggling and you see him like having, you know, issues and he's, he, he's like, he's in pain and, and then he just, and then eventually he dies in, right. inexplicably and right. you don't really know why, like it's not made clear why he kind of dies and then boom, right. You know, me almost immediately after he is resurrected. He, 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 you know, jumps up and he's alive again. And 
um, he kind of has this convulsive fit where he has like kind of kind of spitting up like foamy, bloody, you know, vomit. Yeah. And it's very similar to what happens earlier in the sh- in the show, where uh, one of the characters' dogs, uh, a character that is kind of an outsider character, uh, Joe Colley, um, and and he's kind of this outside character. He was the, he. It ends up you ends up you end up finding out that he's the one that caused. Uh, the girl to be paralyzed mm-hmm. the girl in town to be paralyzed. And, and so his, his dog ends up like eating something and, you know, having this like bloody foamy vomit dies. And then the same thing happens to Pruitt, you know, and then right after that, when he comes back to life, then he's a vampire. Right. And and then later on, still even still later on in the series, in episode six, you have all of the congregation, kind of most of the congregation, drinking this poison to kill themselves and then right. be resurrected. And they all, upon drinking this poison, they they all have the same reaction where they. vomit up this like bloody foamy mess and so the dog Pruitt and the congregation that is given this poison all have these same symptoms all have this same manner of which they die and so you know we talked about it and and actually it was is my wife that kind of mentioned it she's like well wait a minute who killed why did father Pruitt die in the first place and right. his and the way in which he died was the same way that the dog died, and the dog died, and then later on the congregation died upon drinking the poison. So it's it, it stands to reason that you know that Pruitt was poisoned as well. Right. Um, but you had some you had some thoughts on that. So, which I yeah, I, so, I, I find interesting because they didn't make any of this explicit like the very this was the one of the least explicit things in the show yeah Yeah. and and when you told me that it really fucked me up (laughs) so my initial thought was that not not realizing that he died the same way as all the other poisoning victims my initial thought was that the the vampire blood in his system had just gotten to the point where he just it just basically killed him that's what i thought too because i thought well he wasn't feeding he wasn't feeding right. and that's what killed yeah i just thought especially in one of the episodes the doctor kind of says it's like a virus and you know the more you get in the more it does this and yada 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 and so i was thinking like okay he's just had so much of it now that like he's no he, he just his body can't survive but that's not the I agree that that's not the case. It's absolutely like he absolutely was poisoned. Like it's, yeah. it's very obvious that his, as you said, his symptoms are the same as the dog and the same as the congregation. It's, it's blatant. Yeah. So the question is how and why? So the first thought is that this right hand woman, this, this Bev character poisoned him for one of two reasons. It's established that she is 
embezzling and kind of running the church for herself. Right. While Pruitt, as an old man, was kind of demented and not knowing what was happening. And so one potential is that with this her seeing a new pastor come in, a new priest, um, she saw that as a threat and tried to get rid of him. The other option is she figures out already that he is Pruitt. She sees that she sees these miracles happening and she poisons him to try and see if like he truly is a miracle worker. Right. Well, the miracle worker thing that's out the window right away because he first has symptoms of the poisoning before any of the miracles have happened. Well, right after the first miracle has happened where the girl gets out of the wheelchair and walks, he first has those symptoms and it's before she's realized explicitly on screen where she realizes that he is father Pruitt. So it's not that second one. It, so it could still be the first one. She intentionally poisons him because she thinks that he's some hotshot priest coming in here. That's going to ruin her scheme. But I don't – there's not a lot of evidence for that. Yeah. So that 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 would have that would have had to have been established like really quickly in the first two episodes for that to make sense. To me, what I think it is and what makes the most sense to me is the vampire itself is – so what, what the vampire is doing is the vampire is giving its blood to Pruitt off and on as he's there and he's mixing that with the communion wine and on the island there's a number of of number one there's a number of feral cats number two there's a number of um bev herself even says that there's a number of rats who have started infesting the island after they had uh issues a few years ago and so she's actually been using poison around her house to keep the infestations down. So I, th- it's more likely that this, um, that the vampire himself was feeding on these rats and feeding on these um, wild animals who were getting into the poison, and then giving the blood to Pruitt to mix with the communion wine and that blood that he was giving him was was itself poisoned because right. the vampire is eating poison all the time from these animals but the thing is so you're like why wouldn't the congregation be poisoned well the congregation is getting a very small amount yeah. and there's actually one one piece of the puzzle that i think explains this perfectly the key scene the missing piece of the puzzle that really makes it seem like he was being poisoned second hand from the vampire's blood is that there's a scene a throw it's kind of a throwaway because it seems it almost builds to like it's going to be a whole big thing and it doesn't it, nothing really happens where one of the altar boys needs to relight the incense and he goes back to where father paul is filling the communion wine and he walks in on him and you he, when he, you know, it's one of those scenes where it's like somebody walking back in on somebody else and you're like, oh shit, he's going to see him doing something crazy. And he's not. He's just filling the communion wine from this little flask. But you, but the, the, to me, the, 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 the point of that is to show that 
the flask is actually Father Pruitt's. It's his personal stash of this communion wine. And so he's getting down on this vampire blood, not just like, you know, at mass sometimes, but he's drinking it all the time. And if this vampire, so Father Pruitt's not dead at this point, the vampire is, is, and is able to defend himself through all this regeneration. Vampires getting down on all these poisoned rats and raccoons and cats. And, um, and that is going into the blood, which Father Pruitt is drinking and basically poisoning himself. And the other thing is in the last episode, we actually go into like the little abandoned house that the vampire has been using as its lair. And we see dead rats, dead raccoons, dead vermin everywhere that he's been feeding on kind of furthering that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's, that is probably the best explanation for, you know, for why I'm just kind of surprised that, they left that so up to interpretation. <laughs> right. Because it's kind of a I, key I am too. It's kind of a key point. Like it's right. like, okay, how like because it it really is the turning point in the series when right. he become he truly become when Pruitt truly becomes a fucking vampire. Right. And so it's it's kind of it, it's interesting to me uh that that they would leave that like such a key key uh, plot yeah. point up to interpretation like that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah, like why 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 did Pruitt die? And and Pruitt dying is what changes everything. And him turning into a vampire is what changes everything. Um right. and so it's kind of interesting that yeah, that's not explicitly um explained. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it, you know that I, I that explanation makes sense. It's just kind of like it's a lot of <laughs> it feels like a lot of work to do. <laughs> like it feels right. like a lot of detective work to do that. Right to get to that kind of you know, kind of you know, that kind of an analysis and and that conclusion. Um, but you know, it doesn't. It makes sense and it doesn't take away from and it, it clearly, you know, within the context of watching the show, it didn't like stop me in my tracks where I was like, wait, no. wait a minute, what the no. fuck? <laughs> you know what I mean? I like, barely even noticed. I was like, Oh shit, he's dying. Yeah. And then it kind of just moved on. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I kind of thought initially I thought, okay, he's having these cravings and he's not feeding, that's what killed him. But there's you can't deny the fact that the way that the way in which he died is exactly the same in right. which the dog and the, and the, and the other, and the, the congregation died. And that was and the way that they died was clearly from right. the poison, you know, from the rat poison or whatever. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, he, uh, that, but yeah. Um, I mean, to me, you know, this this show, uh, I was on the fence until episode four. Yeah. Um, and I told you that, you know, you had seen the entire show. I was kind of lagging behind and, you know, make slowly kind of make my way through the episodes. And um, and I remember I got to the end of episode three 
which is when it's revealed that Pruitt, which I, I kind of knew. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know what it was. I, I think there, it was like the painting that they showed of the old Pruitt. I was like, oh, yeah. that's, that's the fucking, oh, that's him. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was like the first episode yep. where I was like, I was like, oh, this, this young priest is, is like a young, he's the young version of Mon- Monsignor Pruitt. Right. And it was kind of like, it seemed like, I don't know, for one, one way or the other, it seemed very obvious to me. Um, but, uh, but in the, in episode three is when you realize, is when you find out like that, that is for sure the case. And you, you're, you know, you see the, the angel character and, um, and, and how, and, and that whole thing. Um, but, uh, it's, it, to me, it's, it's episodes four through six that are just like, I mean, that's when the show just fucking takes off for me personally. And it's just like, you know, I, I mean, that's when I was like, oh shit. Like, you know, like at the end of episode four, I was like, oh shit. And the epi- end of episode five, I was like, oh shit. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, you get to like, you know, episode six and episode six, I will, I'll tell you right now, like, um, and this kind of goes back to what I was talking about in, you know, earlier, earlier here in, in, in our podcast. Um, to me, uh, when I think about uh, Haunting of Hill House, that show affected me on um, I, just a, a more emotional level. Um, yeah. It was just, it was, to me, that was very poignant um, and very just emotional, very just like, heavily emotional um character you know within in terms of the characters um and just like very sad and tragic um yeah but this 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 series uh midnight mass was different to me um it didn't affect me on the same level uh as as hill house it it didn't affect me on that deep emotional kind of tragic level instead it and it was in episode 6 it affected me on a on a very primal visceral level yes like the the scene uh the leading up to the scene in episode 6 where you have the final kind of mass the easter yeah kind of mass where everybody everybody in the fucking town comes together and and pruitt reveals himself and it has you know father paul re- reveals himself as the you know young rejuvenated pruitt um that whole fucking scene just man i don't even i i, I mean i watched so many horror movies and the effect that 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 episode had on me was just yeah i mean i was like i mean my 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 heart rate like <laughs> i i could feel i could feel my heart rate like escalate yeah as as that episode played out 
leading up to the church scene in yeah. that in that movie. Like I could like I just like the sense of foreboding and the just, oh, just that was... the sense of dread and of like oh my god like something's gonna what what the fuck is gonna happen like shit's gonna go down here what is it gonna yeah. be and and it was just very disturbing and unsettling it was it was I, it was so many com- levels it was so completely disturbing and like you said the whole episode so the entirety of episode six there's so episode six is basically like one scene of exposition where they're like where they where they sit down it's the most exposition in the entire show they sit down at this table and the doctor is like this is what's happening this is what i figured out and you're like okay cool from there on out it's just scene after scene after scene of of shit that is piling up that you know is leading toward they're going to be trapped on this island and the only yeah. thing that is going to be able to, the only thing that's going to be happening is this mass and something crazy is going to happen and it's it's like it's like 20 25 minutes of building to that and then the scene itself is like 20 25 minutes you used to say it's people's going to die <laughs> it's i mean that that scene itself the episode is fantastic in that it builds to that yeah but that scene itself as you said i had a very very strong reaction to as well i mean it it was so 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 for me oh sorry go ahead i was just gonna say for me i've got a long I've, I'm a horror movie, violent movie, like, since I was a kid. Like, I tell people, like, my dad let me watch RoboCop when I was, like, a child. You know, God. like, six or seven years old. Like, I've I've been watching scary movies and, and violent movies for a long time in my life. And there's only a handful of things that have ever, like, really, really affected me. Uh, in that way and they've almost all been vampire related yeah and i don't know why i mean i saw the lost boys when i was probably way too young to see it i remember i remember the nightmares i had from the lost boys and it became one of my favorite movies because it was like one of those things i was terrified of and then i kind of owned it and then I, I, i fell in love with it and then as i got older i read salem's lot same thing salem's lot put me in a coma for a month i mean that book i don't it's and then and then like i got as i got into my 20s it was let the right one in that movie i watched that for the first time the swedish one and it was like yeah it was just like despair you know and 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 they've all had a profound effect and so like with this i don't know what it is about the vampire mythology but it tends to have that effect and so building into this episode and like you said seeing what was about to happen and knowing knowing damn well there would be no punches pulled yeah as you said from the from the from the baseball kid scene in in dr sleep knowing that something like that was coming right 
and you can't look away, you know, you're, you're, you're five and a half hours deep at this point. You're like, I'm going to watch it. Right. Yeah. And then it was, and, and then it did not disappoint. I mean, it was mad. It was just, it was a fucking yeah, ride. I mean, and so, and so when all this shit starts to go down, um, the sheriff who we haven't really talked very much about, um, right. He's, you know, Muslim, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and he's got a young son and, um, so they're kind of like the outsiders for several reasons. Right. Um, There's a handful of outsiders on the Island and they're yeah. definitely some of the top. Right. And, uh, and so, you know, throughout the series, the dad is kind of, you know, the sheriff, he, I mean, he's understanding, but he also like is kind of reluctant to see his son kind of like dabbling in, you know, Christianity. And you're um, not a, you're not a Christian. (laughs) Christian. He always says Christian. Well, you're not a Christian. And, um, and so when all this shit starts to go down, when, when, you know, the character of Sturge is, is resurrected and people are fucking freaking out and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, he, he goes to leave. He goes to grab his kid and fucking it's, get, get the fuck out of the church. And when he turns, so, Oh, I was going to say just to be clear. So the timing, I love the fucking timing on this. So, so father Paul has Sturge drink the poison. And he basically just fucking dies in front of the entire congregation. Right. And people, people are freaking are just, out. Yeah. People are up in arms. And that's when that's when the, the sheriff is yeah. basically like it's before it's before Sturge comes back to life. Before he comes back to life. That, so, like, the so sheriff he, is like, I'm get we're getting the fuck out of here. We're getting the fuck out of here. And he goes to turn and leave the church, and all of a sudden right. you, you see the oh, fuck they're passing it. out the poison. That's what it was. They're passing out the poison. Yeah. As soon as they start passing out the poison, the sheriff is like, "We're getting the fuck out of here." And he goes. To and turn, he turns to leave. And he goes to turn and leave. And that part like fucking chilled me, man. Like, yeah, you, to you the s- bone. You see the fucking, you see the fucking angel, this vam, yep. the the vampire creature, in fucking like, in in the fucking like uh, religious robes. Like standing at the back of the yeah. fu- at the back of the fucking just, church, blocking blocking the exit. Yeah, and you just, just see blurred. like you just see like the faint like pinpoints yep. of light in his eyes, and he's just standing he's just there out of focus in the fucking like in the fucking uh, priest robes and shit. It's like holy shit, and the that, music that part was like, and the oh music just boom. Yeah, that fucking the fucking creeped me out, man. That that shit. And the, and and then so then that's that goes back to. So then he makes his way down the aisle. The, the, and that goes vampire, back to the vampire. Yeah, creature, yeah. The vampire starts just walking down the aisle. And of course, Pruitt's like, behold, he, you know, I told you and, and, and don't be afraid. You know, he's terrifying. But as all <laughs> angels are terrifying and, and you're like, yeah, sure. But that goes back to this deep characterization that they've built with these characters some they're showing all these different characters reactions and some of them are clearly like 
terrified. Some of them are clearly like, this is fucked up. Some of them are like scared, but you can tell that they're like an excited scared. Like they believe that this is an angel. And it's just to see all of these actors and the way they play each one of these nuanced characters is amazing. And so he makes his way up to the front. And in the midst of all that, so so it's like Sturge dies, and you're like, oh fuck, and you th- and then the, the the sheriff is trying to get out, and the the angel shows up, and you're like, oh fuck, and then the angel makes his way to the front, and as soon as like the angel makes his way to the front, and Father Pruitt starts talking again, all of a sudden here, <gasps> and Sturge is awake, and you're like, oh fuck, and then people are like freaking out because he's like back alive, and they're like. You know, people are like going insane because they're like, what the hell just happened? This guy's alive again. And. Yeah. <laughs> and so then the, so then the sheriff pulls a gun and the sheriff is like going to kill. He's going to kill somebody. I don't know who the fuck he's going to kill, but he's going to kill somebody. And and so the, some parishioners like hold him down. And as he's being held down. His son is like, makes his way to the front and, is, and they're like, basically like convince him in front of this angel to take the poison and he kills himself. Yep. And as soon as he does, the whole rest of the congregation is just like, glug, glug, glug. <laughs> like half of them, I guess. People yeah. are just down in it. And then, and then Mildred, um, which is the, um, the mother the elderly mother of uh, the doctor character, Sarah. Yeah. Um, who she has miraculously like de-aged over the course right. of the show. And she looks like younger than the fucking daughter at this point. Yeah. She picks up the she's fucking gun. She picks up the fucking gun and like just fucking blows Pruitt's brains out. Yep. Um, and then, yeah. And so, basically, what what ends up happening there is, like, Pruitt kind of had this idea of, based on how he had, because the only, at that point, up until that point, the only person he had turned into a vampire, other than himself, was Riley. Right. Who, the, who then immediately killed himself. <laughs> um, right. But he kind of went through this process with him introducing him to like what this is and how to go about it. Um, and he kind of, he wanted the, the plan was that he was going to do that with the whole congregation. Yeah. He was going to kind of, he was going to kind of guide them, midwife them, guide them through this new life, you know, and, and with like open arms and, and understanding and love and, and kind of be there for them. And, and then he got shot in the head and right. was out of commission for a while for, right. because he was like reviving himself and rejuvenating. Um, and, and that's when the character of Bev Beverly kind of takes over and kind of lets them all loose like fucking wild animals without giving them yeah. any kind of, you know, coaching. And, and then, yeah, it, it just kind of turns into fucking pandemonium. Yeah, they, uh, the people in the church who have died and awoke. So the the part in the church, the most fucked up part in the church for me was like, 
when they're when everybody started drinking the poison and like yeah and like some of the parents were like trying to convince their kids to drink it and like it's fucked up and like it just there was just a lot of like stuff that was just very disturbing yeah because because you know you know from history that things have happened like that before i mean you have you have you have religious cults that have done that kind of shit before where they've you know They've poisoned themselves and mass suicides, yeah. and 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 so it's like it's fucked up because, you know, you're see, you're seeing this happen, and you're like, dear God, you know, like, yeah, it's it's very yeah, it's very unsettling, it's very disturbing, and it's very, but it's also very believable, very relatable, and right, and you can see, okay, this yeah, this you know, this shit could happen, this shit has happened, you know, and so right. yeah, that that was then, what was so disturbing about it. And then they all die and then they come back and then they start just massacring the people who didn't drink the poison in yeah. the church. And it just gets even more insane. Yeah. It's 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 just it's just nonstop. Yeah, that that I mean yeah, that whole scene is just like a pressure cooker of just like you just yeah. you, you go into it knowing, oh, this ain't gonna be fucking good. And no. and then it just like it just escalates and and it escalates in a way that is just like yeah that is to me you know totally believable and totally believable. you know what i mean like and and just like okay yeah this is fucking awful and that's why you feel that way that's why like going into that scene like my stomach was just in nuts and i was like i mean i like my seriously like my heart rate was up yeah and and, and because I was just like, oh my god, what is gonna? And that, like that, I mean, stuff like that doesn't happen with me. Like I don't when I I, I no, watch I watch a lot I watch a lot of horror movies, and it's very I mean, r- rare when when I come across a movie or a scene within a movie that generates that kind of reaction for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, one one of the only other movies that I can think of in recent memory that kind of gave me that kind of feeling was uh, something we, a movie that we've talked about that we haven't done an episode on, but um, green room. Yes. Um, it just has this feeling of like hopelessness. This yep. of like the way that just, just the way that the story is unfolding and the way that the circumstances and the scene kind of come together and you're just like, oh my god, this is just this is not going to be good. And then, and you just, yeah. and then you just have this feeling of like, oh god, like you, there's no way out. And there's, it's just like this total feeling of like helplessness and just like, it's just it's terrifying, you know. It's and and, and that's I think that's you know of the movies that I've watched in probably shit I don't even know maybe the last ten years I would say like green room and then this particular scene in this episode where like one of you know our our two instances in the last decade or more of watching horror movies where i it just made me kind of it gave me that very specific kind of reaction and vibe and i was like oh god this is terrible yep very 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 devastating (laughs) yeah yeah and uh and i mean it was great i mean i love it <laughs> like all, yeah, all that yeah. said like it sounds you know traumatizing but like all that said like it's great like when you have when you come across a, a 
you know, a, a film or a series or whatever, like that puts you in that position because it's such a rare kind of thing. Yeah. Like there is something that's kind of like, Oh God, like you just kind of revel in it. Like it's terrible. It's awful. And it makes you, right. it makes you feel something that you just, you don't feel on a regular basis, like, or right. very rarely. And so it's like, it's, it kind of feels, you know, special in a sense, you know, like, right. um, and, and it's almost like you got like shit, you got to fucking applaud that. Like the fact that right. they were able to generate that kind of reaction. I mean, the thing about the thing about Midnight Mass, though, too, is it's just so beautifully done for the rest of the season. You know, there's so many beautiful, touching moments. Yeah. That it's not like the whole show is like this giant brick of despair you yeah. know it's it's got a lot of great stuff in it a lot of beautiful things yeah no. um but but so it's it's very well balanced i guess is what i'm saying so that it is it is it makes that a little more palatable you know knowing that you're going into that kind of long hard scene but it is it's still long it's still hard but it is it is great and like you said you know feeling you know being able to watch something that somebody made that triggers that response in you, that primal response yeah. is just crazy. Yeah. You know, because I mean, especially we, at our age where we don't feel anything. <laughs> and, and, you know, we, I mean, we live in a, I mean, I guess you could say this at any, maybe you could say this at, you know, any point in the last 50, 60 years or whatever, but like, you know, I think more so now, you know, we live in an age where you just have a lot of, uh, superficial throwaway type of entertainment that doesn't really it doesn't really impact you it you you watch it and it's over and you fucking and you're done with it and you don't even like you don't even think about it like it's it once it once the credit once like the the movie ends or the series ends or whatever you're just like okay that was cool all right or or i liked it or i didn't like it but it doesn't stick with you and it doesn't have like it doesn't leave a mark on you and and you just it's kind of like instantly a lot of it is just instantly forgettable and right. and so to it's, have it's some, fast food yeah and so to have something like this where it's like you know the fucking credits roll and i mean like you know i when i i mean i just i literally just finished the series last night and um and I, I, I had trouble. I it was just something I, I couldn't go to. I, I, it was late, and I, I I couldn't. I was tired, but I still I couldn't go to bed. I like couldn't. I was just my mind was still kind of reeling from it, and I, I yeah. just I couldn't. I, I don't know. It was hard. For, it was hard. It was genuinely hard for me to go to sleep, and like yeah. you know, like after after watching it, because it was just like. You know, not that it well, was we, like, oh, God, not that it was like traumatizing me or anything. It was just that, no. like, my mind was, I was thinking about, I was just thinking yeah. about everything that happened. And it was just, and, I, and that doesn't happen very often. No. And, and like I said, um, I mean, we, we do this for fun. We talk about movies all the time and we talk about them for fun. But with a lot of it, it's not that there's a lot to like, unpack about the movie or the series or it's just fun to talk about it's fun to talk about how things get made and what we like about it and yada 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 with this with with hill house with bligh 
it's like every time I watch one of those, I feel like I've got to talk about it. I've got to unpack it. Yeah. I've got to get it out. Like watching yeah. it is one thing, but then the next step is I've got to like exercise that. I've got to like get that out, which yeah. is one of the reasons I watched it again. I was like, I, I've got to, I've got to like mediate this first watch somehow and like think through it while I watch it again. And like, I've got to wrap my head around this because it's so, it's so profound and so big that I just can't leave it at. Yeah. You know, having watched it once and and not like really been able to wrap my head around it. Yeah, and it's it's kind of crazy because like, um, I you know so, you know, me and my wife have been watching it, and you know we you know we haven't really talked a whole lot in between the episodes, but when we finished the entire series last night, we started talking, and um, and I find to for me personally. I find that like I don't have I don't come ac- come across I don't have a lot of personal rev- revelations uh, on my own. I have to kind of talk. I have to physically, audibly talk them out. Mm-hmm. And so, like you know, there were things like that. You know, upon finishing the show last night, that like I'm talking. And kind of just, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of like, just, just kind of, you know, speaking as, uh, I'm not really, I'm talking to my wife about, you know, different things about the show. And I'm not really thinking, I'm not really thinking ahead about like what I'm going to be, you know, verbalizing. I'm just kind of, you know, it's just kind of spilling out of me. And, and it's, it's, it's moments like that, you know, where I'm, where I'm sharing in, in a, in an audible way that I kind of have these revelations where I ha- I, I kind of realize things about, you know, about stuff and about whether it's a, you know, movie show or a book, or whatever, whatever you're kind of, like you said, you're unpacking, um, and so, like, yeah, that I, I came across. There were there were things that I didn't even realize I was thinking, or realize that I had like, like conclusions that I had come to. It wasn't until I verbalized them with someone right. else that I was like, "Oh shit, that's yeah, that that's what that is," and that's you know. And so, you know, it it totally. I mean, and that's why we do this. That's why me and you, you know kind of have this podcast it's to have right. it's to have that person you know because sometimes i mean that's what i find is that sometimes like you know you you'll you'll just kind of be talking and somebody else will kind of you know you'll kind of be bouncing back and forth ideas and things like that and all of a sudden you'll be saying something and as you're saying it you're 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 kind of revealing you know, a, a, a thought or opinion or, or whatever about something. And it's like, as you're doing that, it's like an epiphany to you as well. Right. You know, it's like, oh shit. Yeah. That's, that's what that is. And that's why, oh, and I didn't even realize that that was like something that was in my mind that I was thinking about, you know, and here, and it just comes kind of spilling out as you're right. forced to kind of like, you know, 
express yourself. And so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the great thing about like, you know, like, like with a lot of things, like if you don't, you know, have someone to kind of, (laughs) uh, you know, throw your opinion at it's, you know, it just doesn't work as well. I mean, like that's, and so that's why I'm glad we have, we have this outlet. Yeah, for sure. I can't talk about this show anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and you know, we've talked about, I mean, everything we said about the show is kind of like how much we love it. Um, yeah, and there, and you know, we're kind of running out of time here. I don't know how much longer we we sh- we can really talk about. It, like you said, uh, but there were you know there were things that I didn't like. Uh, there were things that yeah. I feel I, I had issue. I took issue with um, uh, kind of the whole. <laughs> uh, I mean, like kind of social media thing right now. That's kind of poking fun at the show is like the kind of ridiculous amount of monologues. Um, yeah. And there are a lot. <laughs> and like, once you kind of sent me that first one early, early on while I was watching the show, like maybe episode two, um, ever since you sent me that, I was like watching the rest of the, of the show. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. There are a lot of fucking monologues. There are a lot. And, there are um, a lot. and, and some, there, some of them are really good. They're really yeah, well written, but yeah. there are a lot and they are long. Yeah. Some of them are good. Like, and some of them make sense within the context of the story and the characters, like, like the you know Pruitt's sermons okay yeah he's a fucking priest you know like of course he's gonna have these long diatribes but like but then there are other scenes with characters where it's like okay this is like and it just goes on for too long and it just kind of feels like i don't know it just feels kind of like it's mike flanagan like like speaking through other characters where you know and like about like his kind of personal experiences and and his kind of views on things and and that's cool and all and i and a a lot of that stuff like you know when like the scene in particular like the scene where riley and aaron are talking about like what they think happens after you die um you know that's interesting to me and i really enjoy like riley's interpretation and thoughts on what happens after you die. Like, I agree with that, but even still, it just goes on for so long. <laughs> yeah. It's and, long. and, and yeah. So there, there's stuff like that where I, like, I feel like, you know, some people watching it, you know, kind of would view it as a little bit pretentious and whatever, but yeah. But I mean, overall, I mean, it's a great, it's a great series and, you know, top notch and, and I, I really did, I really did love it. And, and to me, it really, it, it took a few episodes, but like, you know, episodes four through six of, you know, the seven episode arc were just phenomenal to me. Um, yes. And, and, I, and even though like I didn't love the last episode, I feel like it, you know, it ended in the best way it, pro- it probably could, you oh, know? Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot to like in the last episode, but yeah, it's it's more of a it's more of a finish line than anything. Yeah, it's kind of it just kind of it, it's wrapping things up, and yeah, yeah. But but yeah, that's Midnight Mass. Yep, that's Mike Flanagan. I can't wait to see what he does next. I know he does have a new 
like we talked about, he he does have a new series coming out. I don't. It, I'm I'm sure sometime next year. Um, but uh, called Midnight Club, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. The premise sounds interesting, and it's yeah, it's, yeah. It's Mike Flanagan. I don't know how many episodes it is. I don't think he's doing the entire series like he did with Hill House and and Midnight Mass, right. but I'm sure it'll be good. So, but he's a showrunner. Yeah, and yeah, and it was the same way with Bly Manor. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I'm always looking forward to see what he does next, I, whether it's you know series, you know like a multi episode series or a movie or whatever. But um, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously, if you're listening this deep into this, you've seen it, you know. <laughs> We don't have yeah. to convince you uh, of of Mike Flanagan's uh, uh, talents, but or maybe you're just somebody who likes to know what they're in for before they watch something, and you'd rather listen to a two hour podcast than <laughs> than a seven watch hour a seven hour show. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, but uh, but yeah, either way, yep. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, join us next time. We're going to start diving into uh, some Halloween-centric uh, films, leading some up more Halloween-centric films. Yeah, leading up to uh, October thirty-first, of course. So uh, mm. we'll see you next time. Scare, Scare you later. later.